Amen. So be it, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Amen. Amen. You can be seated this morning if you can. Uh, if, if not, that's fine too. But <laughs> How many of you got your Bibles this morning? Let me see your Bibles or your devices. You got those. Why don't you grab those? If you're taking notes, grab however you're planning on taking notes this morning. I want to go on a journey this morning on seeds that produce. Everybody say that, seeds that produce. You know, when a, when a farmer goes out to sow seed, there's an anticipation that the seed that he's sowing is going to produce a crop. A, a farmer doesn't go out and just carelessly cast seeds. There's an intention that they're going to reap a harvest. And, uh, but we have to understand how seeds work. We have to understand how to, if you want to harvest, how many of you want to harvest in your life? You want to harvest from the word of God. You want to harvest spiritually. You want to harvest in your finances. You want to harvest in every area. You want to live. How many of you want to live in the blessing of the Lord and the prosperity of God? Amen. I do. I want to live under his blessing. Prosperity is not always, it's not just finances. It's every area. The shalom, divine order of God. We've been talking about it for multiple weeks now. So hopefully you've heard it. But every area. So I, I want to talk this morning about the power of the seed that we sow and how to produce a, how to produce a harvest. When I listen, when I give, let me just say this: when I sow my seed, when I give tithes and offerings, just this morning, when I sow my seed, I expect a harvest. Amen. Amen. I, I expect that when I sow my offerings, there's a harvest on the other side of that. I'm not just casually sowing an offering. I'm sowing a seed that has a harvest. It has multiplication attached to it. That's the promise of the Lord, that as we tithe and give our offerings, that he returns and multiplies. He's the multiplier. So when you sow, when you give, expect a harvest. That You're not just casually sowing seed. You expect increase. I expect multiplication. The Bible says that when we give alms, the Lord repays those who give alms to the poor. So when you give towards projects that are supporting the poor or you're giving towards alms, almsgiving, benevolence, the Jericho with the truck, all of those kinds of things, expect repayment. That's the promise of the Lord for your life, that he will repay those who give alms. That's the blessing of the Lord. So learn divine math. Learn God math. I, if, if I can, I, I'm not going to preach on this this morning, but I, but I want you, you need to go in your Bible and learn God math and how he handles finances. If you haven't figured that out yet, God has a system to how he handles finances. He has a process for how he does everything, actually, but... Uh, but but he definitely has a system when it comes to your finances. Um, but I, I want to dig around in Scripture a little bit. We're going to go to Mark 4 in just a little bit. But before we do, I want you to go over to 1 Peter. I want to talk about the power of the seed for a moment. The power of the seed in 1 Peter chapter 1 is where we're going. Write this down if you're taking notes. A kingdom life is learning to sow and receive seeds that produce much fruit. A kingdom life is learning to sow and to receive. It's both giving and receiving. Heather read the, the verse this morning, it's more blessed to give than to receive, but there's still receiving that happens. You can't keep giving if you're not receiving. So it's why is it more blessed to give? Well, we often say it's, it's more blessed to give, and this isn't just finances, it's every area, but, but we say it's more blessed to give because 
We see the joy. We, you know, we create these spiritual things. These, you know, like, wow, it's great to see the joy on somebody's face when we give. And it is. It is a blessing to see the joy on someone's face. But the reality is that it goes beyond just that one moment or that one expression of joy or gratitude. The blessing of our giving is in that as we give, we are able to receive more to be a blessing more. Did you hear me? It's we are blessed. We are blessed to give and we are blessed to receive. We're ble- it's more blessed to give because there's a multiplication that happens when we give. When you release that seed, there's a multiplication that happens. That's why we're blessed. That's why it's blessed to give. More blessed to give. It doesn't mean that receiving's not blessing. It's obviously a blessing to receive, but it multiplies. You follow me this morning? So I, I want to talk about the power of the seed this morning. So a kingdom life is learning to sow and receive seeds that produce much fruit. Jesus said, by this is my Father glorified that you produce much fruit. Everybody say that, much fruit. Much fruit. All right. Not every, sown, not every seed that's sown produces a harvest. Not every seed that gets sown is going to produce a harvest. But kingdom living is understanding God's design for fruitfulness. So in the kingdom life, we have to understand how, how do we sow seed and get fruitfulness from that? How do we sow seed? What is the best way to plant our seeds in a way that we're going to see fruitfulness? How am I going to live my life? How am I going to receive the word of God? How am, I going to, how am I going to go through life and see much fruit? As we understand, in just a moment, I'm going to take a look at scripture and show you this, but not every seed that is sown produces a harvest. And so if we want to be good stewards of, the, of what God has given to us, if, we, if we're going to go around and walk around and quote the scriptures like it's more blessed to give than to receive, then we have to understand that if we're going to be more of a blessing, we have to receive more, which means we have to have fruitfulness in what we sow. So if you want fruitfulness in what you sow, how many want fruitfulness this morning? Let me see your hand. Amen. So if you want fruitfulness, we have to understand the plan that God has to see maximum fruit. We're going to take a look at that this morning. But in 1 Peter, before I jump into my... Uh, notes. I'm going to give you a freebie this morning. I just want to walk through Scripture. In First Peter chapter one and verse 23, I was I was thinking about these scriptures this morning on the way to church, and I and I actually I have to tell you as I was on my way thinking about these scriptures, like man, I should have put these in my sermon notes this week as I was preparing my sermon, and then maybe made it all work together. But I'll just give you two or three sermons this morning, and everybody said, Amen. It's Valentine's Day, so I'm just I'm in a giving mood. So First Peter. Chapter 1, verse 23, it says, Having been born again, not of corruptible seed. Okay, so not of corruptible seed. What is, let me just pause. What does corruptible mean? It means decay. We're not born again of decaying seed. Seed that, seed that dies. Seed that, uh, which is interesting because that's the whole premise of seed going into the ground and dying and producing fruit. But we're not born again from seed that dies. This seed is what? It is incorruptible seed. It's seed that multiplies. The seed that we're born again from is seed that doesn't die. It continues to give. It continues to produce. It's not decaying. It's not perishing. And what is it? 
having been born again, not of corruptible seed, but incorruptible, through the what? The word, the logos of God, which lives and abides forever. So we know, foundationally, we are born again because of the seed of the word of God that lives and abides forever. Now I want to talk about, just for a moment, the power of this word. So, so go with me over to John chapter 1. Uh, we're, like I said, we're just going to go on a journey through Scripture. In John chapter 1, we see this same word as it describes this incorruptible seed, this incorruptible word, logos. We see the same word as it describes, and you've heard me teach on this before, but in John chapter 1, in the beginning was the word, the Logos, and the word, the Logos was with God, and the word was God. So in the beginning, in the beginning was the word, and the word was with God, and the word was God. He was in the beginning with God. And notice this verse, verse 3, all things that were made through him, by, the, by through who? Through God, through the word, all things were made. And without him, nothing was made. So the Logos, the Word, God, the Seed, made all things. Everything was made through this Seed, through this Word. And in him, verse 4, in him was life, and the life was the light of men, and the light shines in darkness, and the darkness did not comprehend it. Now, keep your finger there and just let's reflect back to Genesis. In Genesis chapter 1, in the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. Who created? And how did he create it? By his word. He spoke, let light be. And what, what, what happened? Light came. It wasn't that light was being held back by some invisible force. It wasn't that this was the first. Can you imagine the, the angels and everyone that was present? This was the first time they had ever seen creation, the material creation that we see, we live and enjoy today. This was the first time anybody had ever seen anything like this. And it came into existence by what? Let light be. He spoke, seed, word, left his mouth, and when it left, light be. It was. Now, what's interesting about that is that God, and I don't want to get lost in the, in the weeds here this morning because I want to stay on seeds and producing fruit, but I, I just want to think about this for a moment and how powerful this is. The, the Bible tells us that God knows the end from the beginning. He declares the end from the beginning. In, in the mind of God has always existed the thought of creation and what creation would be. But when he spoke, it moved from thought to speaking. He declared it, and it was. It became. Now, that's, there's, there's some powerful thought there, but I'll let you go home and study that on your own. But light be, and here is Jesus, John chapter 1, verse 5, and the light, wait, well, let me back up to 4, in him was life. So when they spoke, Jesus spoke through him, through Jesus, through the word, through the logos, through the seed, life came. Life came. 
Jesus is the source of that life. So out of his words, the essence of who he is, he spoke and it existed. Okay, so I, I, I know that you know a lot of this. Just baby step it with me because I'm going somewhere and you're going to see something and your mind's going to get blown here in a second. So, so he is life. He speaks out of his essence and life was. And that life was the light of men. What did God say? Light be. Who you are, the essence of who you are is now, be, manifest, who you are, who he is. The essence of who he is manifests. That light, creation all around us. The Bible says that the son of righteousness has risen with healing in his beams. So we see these constant, throughout the Psalms, throughout Scripture, we see these constant comparisons between Christ, the son, and the radiance of the son, the radiance of the father, the radiance of the son. It's just ongoing, the essence of who God is, releasing that word, the power. Uh, I'm just talking about the power of a seed sown, the word that's sown. And so he's, here he is, the light shines in darkness, and the darkness didn't comprehend it. So what's happening in creation? He spoke, the word was released, it's shining and drives darkness back. Now, flip over to Proverbs chapter 4. So there's power in the word, in the seed. There's power in the word. Everybody say that. There's power in the seed, power in the word. The word of God, the word that he releases. So it's so important to know his word, to know his word. Because it is the seed, the word of God is the seed that produces life and light in your life. Okay, There's multiplication that happens with the seed. But anyway, here's Proverbs chapter 4 in in verse 20. In verse 20 it says, My son, give attention to my... Say it again. Give attention to my words. Incline your ear to my sayings. Verse 22 says, for they are life to those who find them. And what? Health. Health. What, What is life and health? The word. Are you getting it this morning? So there is life and health for you in the word of God. There's there's abundant... Come on now. (laughs) There's life and health. There's divine order for your life in the word, the seed of God. So if if you want, think about creation, void nothing, nothingness. And God spoke one word. He takes the nothing and speaks one word. And there's life and light. What can he do in your life? What could God do in your life when you begin to receive his word? You say, well, pastor, that's great. I know the word of God, but I'm not seeing what you're talking about. Well, great. Then you need to tune into the rest of the message because I'm going to help you. 
We're going to learn how to produce the fruit and take what God's saying, receiving it, and see a harvest. God wants a harvest in your life. The word of God cannot fail. My covenant I will not break nor alter the word that's gone out of my mouth. Isaiah 55 says that my word will not, everybody say will not, will not return void. It will accomplish. So the word of God is able to accomplish everything that has it's sent forth to do. The, here's the catch. You've got to receive it. <laughs> Are you ready for the rest of the sermon now? So he, there's, there's the foundation. That's, that's just the foundation of where I'm going. So in Mark chapter 4, we're going to take a look at the parable of the sower and take a look at how do, we, how do we become fruitful, how do we produce fruit in our lives. If this is what God is saying over my life, if, if this is what God is saying over my life, then how do I get over here where I see it manifested? Have you ever asked that question? God, if you said... That as for me and my household, then how do I get over here where I'm seeing the fruitfulness of this? See, let me, let me, let me just pause for a moment. We're, I'm just making a pastoral observation. Don't get mad at me or throw anything at me. But I would venture to say that one of the difficulties, one of the challenges that we face in getting from, Lord, this is what you said, to, Lord, I'm seeing the reality of it, is that we're too busy trying to play God's part and produce fruit when we ought to just be doing our part, which is receiving and being obedient with what God said. Come on now, don't shout me down when I'm telling you the truth. So, so timing, timing is God's. Ecclesiastes tells us that he makes all things beautiful in his... Yeah, you got it. So if he's making all things beautiful in his time and fruitfulness is dependent upon him and what we're receiving from him, then that means my part is I have to stay faithful to what he has said, regardless of what I see and how I feel. We don't see it in the time frame that we want to see it in or the results the way we want to see it in our time. And we shipwreck. We say, okay, let's abandon ship. This ship's going down. When, when Jesus all along, is, his word will not return void. It works. His word works. His word works, but it works in his timing. It works according to his direction. Do you hear me this morning? All right, so in Mark chapter 4, and we'll start in verse 1. It says, and again, he began to teach by the sea, and a great multitude was gathered to him, so that he got into the boat and sat in it on the sea, and the whole multitude was on the land facing the sea. I, it's interesting how detailed Mark is here on what's happening with this crowd. Mark does not tend to be the one who's the most detailed in his writings. So it's interesting that Mark is calling out all of these specifics in an effort to just talk about how Jesus, let me just say, the power of his word that he's, he's strategically positioning himself on, on a natural amplifier of the water 
and, and Mark is capturing that. That's not, that's not normally something that Mark would capture. We, you know, if you read Mark's writings, he's not always uh, the most detailed. But anyway, that's interesting. Then he taught them many things by parables. So we're getting ready. In other words, Mark's lining us up for a parable. He's teaching, we're going to receive from the parables of Jesus. And he said to them in his teaching, listen, behold, a sower went out to sow. Now, let me pause and say this about parables. Why did Jesus say that he taught parables? Parables, he told his disciples, his disciples asked this question, why do you teach in parables? And Jesus said to them, to the religious, they're blinded, they can't hear. They don't understand the parables. But to those who come to me, humble, they receive the word, okay? So this is in essence, he's giving a demonstration. They're receiving the word. Those who come in humility receive truths about the kingdom. So if we're not careful, as we read this story, we can say, oh, that's another good Bible story. But Jesus is trying to release something into his disciples. He's trying to get something into them, a truth, release a word, release a truth into them about the kingdom that will change how they live. Okay, so this is important. So listen, everything in the Bible is important. But when Jesus starts talking in parables, don't tune out because there's, there's a truth there for you. Behold, a sower went out to sow, and it happened as he sowed that some seed fell by the wayside, and the birds of the air came and devoured it. Some fell on stony ground where it had no depth of earth, but when the sun was up, it was scorched, and because it had no root, it withered away. And some seed fell on good thorns, or some seed, sorry, I misread that. Some seed fell among the thorns. And the thorns grew up and choked it and yielded no crop. But other seed fell on good ground and yielded a crop that sprang up, increased, and produced. Notice what the good ground did. It, it sprang up, increased, and produced. So uh, uh, the, the word of the Lord needs to spring up, increase, and produce. What does that mean, Produce. It's, it's producing fruit. It means it's multiplying. Right? It sprang up. It grew. It increased. It grew. It matured. Come on, somebody. And it produced. It had fruitfulness. Fruit is for two things. Why do we eat fruit? Why do, or why do we have fruit? I just gave you one of the answers. One, we eat it. And two, there's sowing. There's seeds in the fruit. So at the outset here, just, just have this in the back of your mind, that God wants you to spring up, to mature, and to produce fruit. Now listen, some 30, some 60, some 100-fold times. Multiplication here. Multiplied. Now notice it didn't say you're going to produce 30, you're going to produce 60, you're going to produce 100. Multiplication is determined by the number of seeds in the fruit. Who determines the number of seeds in the fruit? God does. 
So you can't look at your harvest and say, my harvest is going to look like their harvest. My life is going to look like Kathy's life, or Kathy's life is going to look like Bob's life, or Bob's life is going to look like Marlene's life. We, we don't do that. We can't go around comparing our fruitfulness, our multiplication efforts to one another, because there's an intended harvest for every person. The, our job is to receive what God's given us and use it. Amen. All right. So verse 9, he said to them, he who has ears to hear, let him hear. That's where, by the way, that's where fruitfulness begins. You've got to have ears to hear. Just like the seed has got to have soil to go into to nourish it. If you want to see fruitfulness in your life, you have to have ears to hear it. I'm not talking about the natural, these things. You have to have spiritual ears to hear the word of the Lord. But when he was alone, those around him with the twelve asked him about the parable. And he said to them, To you it has been given to know the mystery of the kingdom of God. But to those who are outside, all things come in parables. We said this. So that seeing they may see and not perceive, and hearing they may hear and not understand, lest they should turn and their sins be forgiven in them. Now, let me just pause on that. Have you ever talked to someone about spiritual matters and they look at you like a deer in headlight? <laughs> you know, what do you mean by that? There are, there are spirit. I don't, you know, let, me, let me pause because I think this is so, so important. When, if Red flag, red flag for every one of us. If you are hearing the word of the Lord and you're staring at it, scratching your head, saying, I don't understand, and you're not receiving. Yeah. If, it's, if the word of the Lord is bouncing off, it's like a seed hitting concrete. Have you ever seen a seed hit, you know, it just kind of scatters, the wind blows it about. If that's how the word of the Lord is hitting you, there's a problem. Yeah. Okay, not only is there not going to be seed producing a harvest, but that, that's the indicator. That should be the first sign that something is out of alignment. The word of the Lord is not being received, but bouncing off. You're looking at it saying, I don't get it. I don't get it. I don't, I don't get what you're saying, God. I don't get what, Pastor, I don't understand what you're saying. I don't understand. And, I, you know, another... <laughs> This is, this is really intriguing. It says, lest they should turn. Unless they should repent. So it's not saying that God, that there's, there's not a will or desire of God for repentance. It's saying that they're not repent. There's not a repentance. Why? Because they're not seeing and perceiving. Repentance is the result of receiving the word of the Lord. If you're not receiving, there's no turning. Do you follow that connection here? If there's no receiving of the word, there's no room, there's no place for repentance. Yikes. So that, that's, that's the power, that's seed sowing right there. That if you, that's a good indicator. If you're a farmer and you're going out sowing seed, listen, let me help you. If you are a farmer going out sowing seed and the seed is hitting the ground, bouncing off, it's not receiving the seed because it's what fallow ground. Wow. It's clumpy. 
It's ground that can't receive seed. That's why scripture says, break up the fallow ground. Yeah. If you want seed, if you want, now, this is, this is every area of your life. It's financially. You can't sow seed in fallow ground and expect a harvest. Right. He who sows to the flesh will of the flesh reap. Right? So if you sow to the spirit of the spirit, you'll reap life, eternal life. So if you're sowing, this is, this is how people, by the way, can give their way out of debt. Because all of a sudden, there's a change in your sowing. You align your seeds with spiritual realities. Instead of sowing to the whirlwind of the flesh, there's a picture for you. There's, if you're sowing to the whirlwind of the flesh, you're going to reap destruction. But when you start to align your finances with sowing seeds in a spiritual context... I'm not just talking, I'm not saying that 100% of your money goes to the church, but when you start to align your finances with spiritual direction, that you tithe and you give offerings, when you begin to do that, every other area of your finances will begin to come into alignment. There's a heart change. Amen. There's a heart change. All right, let's keep going. And he said to them, I haven't even got to my notes this morning. At some point, we're going to get there. And he said to them, do you not understand this parable? How then will you understand all the other parables if you can't get this? Right? If you can't get, if you can't get sowing and reaping, why? Because all the way back to Genesis 8, seed time and harvest will not fail. So this everything about, I mean, this goes all the way back. We read it, John 1, creation. This goes all, everything in our life with Christ is rooted in sowing and reaping. Everything. So if you can't get this, how are you going to get anything else? All right, and these are the ones by the wayside. So here he goes. He's going to start explaining this. So the sower sows the word, verse 14, verse 15. So he's sowing the word of God. And these are the ones by the wayside where the word is sown. When they hear, Satan comes immediately and takes away the word that was sown in their hearts. These likewise are, are the ones sown on stony ground, who when they hear the word, they immediately receive it with gladness, and they have no root in themselves, and so endure only for a time. And afterward, when tribulation or persecution arises for the word's sake, immediately they stumble. Now, these are the ones sown among the thorns. They are the ones who hear the word, and the cares of this world, the deceitfulness of riches, and the desires for other things, entering in, choke the word. Now, I... Look, and it becomes unfruitful. Let me just pause. Are the things of this world and riches wrong? No. That's not what it says. It doesn't say that. It doesn't say that riches are wrong. And it doesn't say that, cares, that, that the, the things of this world are wrong. It says that the care of this world and the deceitfulness of riches 
come in and choke the seed. So there's a difference. You can have riches, you can have resources, you can have things, but it is when those things rule you, they become a problem. They become a thorn. I, I can rule the things, I can rule over things and use them for the glory of God, but when they take rule over me, they choke out the word. So that's so important that, you know, some folks will take that and say, oh, you know, you can't, you're, you're loving the world too much. If you want a new car, you're just, you know, that's wrong. Or if you want a new house or no, that's not what the Bible teaches. Jesus said in this life, he would bless us with houses, plural. So, so he's not against houses. He's not against prosperity. What he's against is when they take his place, they become idols. So that so so hope that helps you. Anyway. But verse 20, but these are the ones sown on good ground. Those who hear the word, accept it, and bear fruit, some 30-fold, some 60, some 100. Now, you can also find this parable in Matthew chapter 13 and Luke 8. I just want to walk through the context here of what Jesus says about the seeds and the locations where seeds were sown. First off, the sower goes and sows the word, the logos. We talked about the power of the word of God. John 1, Proverbs 4, we, talked, we saw it in 1 Peter, the, the incorruptible seed. The logos is the word, the seed that is sown. If you want to harvest in your life, you got to know what the word says. And the sower, the Bible tells us in Matthew 13, that the sower is the son of man. Then there's the seeds that go on the wayside. The, the birds come, Jesus said the birds come and devour these seeds. He says these, these seeds, these people where the seed is sown on the wayside, this is where Satan comes immediately and he takes away the word that was sown. Uh, Matthew adds this in, in, in the Matthew's version. He says that Jesus said that they don't understand it. They don't understand the word. That word understand in the Greek is that they don't have spiritual understanding. It's not, a, it's not a natural, carnal understanding. They don't have a spiritual understanding of the word that was sown. And the enemy comes, Satan comes and steals the power, steals the effect, steals the seed from their heart. And so thus producing no harvest. There's no seed. Then there's seeds on the stony ground. Jesus said they don't have much earth. There, there's not much, there's no place for them to grow. They're not planted. Pro, um, excuse me, Psalms chapter 1 tells us that we ought to be planted in the word of the Lord, in the house of God, in the word of the Lord. That when we're not planted, it's like sowing seeds on stony ground. Let's go there. Let's just, let's just flip over there. I think this is a, let's go to Psalms chapter 1. Because I, I think this is a, is a great example of, of the soil we want to be planted in. Uh, you'll have to forgive me. I'm, I'm, I'm going, I'm chasing a bunch of bunny trails today. But I, I'm, I'm wanting to give you big picture of the power of the seed. So Psalms 1 gives us an indicator about the soil we're planted in. Blessed is the man who walks not in the counsel of the ungodly. So poisonous soil. 
poisonous soil. Did you know you can plant seeds in soil that's poison to the plant, poison to the seed? It's got, it's, it's got plant killer in it, so to speak. Here's your, here's your plant killer. Counsel of the ungodly. Path of the sinners. So walking in ungodly wisdom, ungodly counsel. Walking or, or being in the place, standing in the place of the sinfulness, the sinner, the sinfulness, the um, worldliness. Sitting in the seat of the scornful. Now this, this passage will preach. I mean, it goes from walking, standing, now you're sitting. So not, you go from hanging out by the bad soil to being in the bad soil. Seat of the seat of the scornful. You see the progression? It goes from walking in, in council, standing. The the first let me back up. The first thing that you're doing is you're walking along, listening to ungodly voices. So anti the word of God. Word is a seed. Remember that. So you're receiving either a seed that's incorruptible, producing good fruit, or a seed of corruption that's going to bring forth death. So you're walking here again, listening to ungodly counsel. And what does it do? It causes you to stop and stand where? In the path of the sinful, the sinner. So now you're hanging out. You go from listening to the wrong seed to now receiving that seed and you're living in the mess. Instead of just listening about the mess, you're now living in the mess. You follow? So instead of just listening to the carnality, you're now living in the carnality. And the next progression is that they're, seat, they're seating, seating, sitting, I'm going to say it right, sitting in the seat of the scornful. What is the scornful? The judgy, the condemning, the judgment, sitting in the seat. Well, do you see them over there? Do you see that? Who do they think they are? Look at me. I'm better than that. Yeah, that's the progression. That's right. Not, not my words. It's right here. It's in Psalms chapter 1. Don't get mad at me. I'm just trying to help you. It goes from listening to the, and it all starts where? Listening to the wrong seed. So we're talking about this, where are you being planted? Now let's keep going, because that's that's where we don't want to be. That's going to produce a bad crop. So remember when Jesus said that the the people see and they don't hear, they don't perceive? That's that's this right here, Psalms 1, the, the progression of the wicked. It never starts, bad fruit never starts with some major sin. Bad fruit never starts as some major sin issue. It always begins listening, receiving seeds of ungodly talk. And can I add, it might just even be ungodly self-talk. Because what we say to ourselves can be just as powerful as what other people tell us. Listening to ungodly talk, receiving words. And it's, that's where it starts. And then it progresses. Well, and, and we start, we stop, we start hanging out. It's like Eve in the garden, hanging out by the tree where she shouldn't have been. 
Oh, there you are. <laughs> Shock to find you here, the, the serpent. <laughs> and she what? She listens to the ungodly and she stops and she's enticed by what? Her own evil desires. Reality check. You have evil desires on the inside of you. That if you will listen to the seeds of sin, they will produce a harvest. You still have a carnal nature. You're being transformed from glory to glory. You've been made new, but there's still that old man that keeps having to be put to death day after day. And if you're not careful, you'll take in those seeds and allow them to germinate and stir up that old man. And you'll find yourself, hmm, you know, that was fun when I used to do that. You know, that I, I did feel pretty, I felt pretty secure when I, when I had that relationship. Or when I did that, I felt pretty good. That was a lot of fun. Or, you know, and we start processing. And then before you know it, we're sitting back in this seat of the scornful, of the judger. Yeah, okay, you got it. Awesome. But his delight, blessed is the man. Verse 2, but his delight is in the law of the Lord. The word of God, receiving his delight, his joy, his pleasure is in receiving the law of the Lord. How, and I put the word receiving because there's this word meditate. Meditate, that word there is to munch. It's, to, it's like the cow hooked up to the thing. You know, you've ever heard them. You know, they're, they're chewing their, the, the cud. And what is, I know this is gross, but they chew it and they spit it back out and they chew it again and they spit it back out and they chew it again. That's meditating. So they're receiving something. They're getting nourishment from meditating day and night. Verse 3, he shall be like a tree planted by the water. So you know this. So there's the soil. There's where we want to be. Psalms chapter 1. I know I, I went off of the parable, but I, I hope that helps you. So there's, there's the wayside, there's the stony ground. So they don't have much earth. So where I was going and all that is there's not much earth. There's not much of meditating on the word of God. There's not chewing the cud. They're not taking it in. They're not receiving it. They're listening to the voice of the wicked standing in sin and sitting in the place of judgment. All right. Amen. Hallelujah. And what happened? To, this is stony ground. So they, they don't have much earth. Immediately it springs up. There's no depth of roots so there's a, there's a harvest. There's, it appears to be a harvest. They look spiritual. They look spiritual. There's, there seems to be an outward display of increase. They look spiritual, but there's no depth. There's no root. And what happens? They get scorched by the sun. Life happens. They receive the word with gladness, but they have no root. And the, and the Bible says that they only endure for a time and they stumble when tribulation, that word in the Greek is affliction or pressure. When the pressure comes, they stumble. Why? There's no root. 
or when persecution arises. Then there's the seeds on the thorns. They're choked and they yield no crop because they have a care for this world and desires for things other than the word. Their desire is for something other than the word of God and they get choked out by these other desires. Are other desires bad? Well, we already addressed that. Are, are things of this world bad or are the riches of this world bad? No, it's when they become our focus. When they rule over us instead of us ruling over them, that's the problem. Luke adds this phrase that Jesus said that their fruit does not mature. They look spiritual, there's an increase, but they don't mature because there's no depth, there's no root. Here's what affliction will do to you. It will cause you to either move into a place of depth or you'll get scorched by the sun. That's why we are commanded throughout Scripture on how we are to handle affliction. Continually throughout Scripture. You have to think about these are the, the writers of the New Testament are writing from a place of absolute persecution. And they are telling us, they're instructing us how to handle life when the pressure is turned up. Count it all joy. To your, let, let patience have its perfect and complete work. When the pressure is applied, don't stay out in the place where you're going to get scorched. You got to get into the place where patience can have its perfect work. What is, let me keep on the journey here. Does fruit happen overnight? Does maturity happen overnight? No. How many of you found yourself when you were at the altar praying a prayer saying, Lord, change my life, forgive me of my sins, all of a sudden became spiritually mature? Some of you walked out the church that day still carrying your drugs, your whatever, smoking your cigarette, drinking your drink, in the whatever, right? Maturity does it. It's I'm a new creation and the journey begins. And so it is in the place of affliction that the word of God has still been sown into your life. You have an opportunity then when affliction comes to go deeper or get burnout. Did you hear what I just said? You can, you can go deeper in God when the pressure is applied or you can walk in burnout. Scorched by the sun. Scorched, burnt out by life. I'm just teaching you the word of God. Don't get mad at me. I'm trying to help you. So these are the seeds, the, the seeds that go on the thorns. And then there's the good ground. So this is what it says about the good ground. That it yielded a crop. It increased. It produced. It multiplied. Luke adds this. That it bears fruit with patience. So when James says, let patience have its perfect work. Fruitfulness comes not by resisting the word, but by patiently receiving and staying true to the word. Even when it's uncomfortable. Why is it uncomfortable? Because there's affliction, there's pressure. Life happens. But what you do in those seasons determines the fruit that comes from your life. What you, ah, yes, Jesus loves me. 
the fruit of your life. You are going to get burnt out, scorched out, burn up, burn out, whatever. Or patiently endure to fruitfulness. All right. Good ground. So it says that this is what they do. They hear, they accept, they bear fruit, and they multiply. I'm going to fast forward through some of my notes. I want to say this, though. So, so media, just keep up with me here. <laughs> every seed, every seed, every tiny little seed, or big seed, whatever the seed is, every seed, contains nutrients to help that seed become a plant. In that seed is the DNA for fruitfulness. In that seed are nutrients for the plant to begin to become a seedling. All in that little seed. Every seed has what it needs to produce a harvest in your life. When the word of God is sown into your life, if you will receive it, if you will act on it, the intention of that seed is to produce fruit in your life. It's guaranteed. There's not one seed. There's not one word. It will accomplish everything. If you will receive it and begin obedience to it, it will produce a harvest. Fruitfulness requires patience, but there will be a harvest. People say, well, I gave my tithe, you know, just in the, we, we tend to go to money a lot. So I use, I use it because we understand it. But in the context of sowing seed, people say, well, I tithed today, so I want God to bless my bank account tomorrow. I mean, after all, he said, if bring the tithe into the storehouse, and then all of a sudden the storehouses are going to overflow. Well, that's not how this works, right? Do you hear me? You have, this is a lifestyle of patiently sowing the seed to expect a fruitfulness. Okay, anyway, so here we go. So every seed has everything that it needs to multiply. The intention of that seed is to produce a harvest. That, that little tiny seed is waiting to become fully mature in your life. That, that word of God... One word from you. You know, we sang it this morning. Things change on your authority. One word, one seed, one tiny word. One word is waiting to become a fully grown, maturing, developing plant in your life. But you get to determine what you do with it. You determine where that seed and if that seed is going to produce a fruit in your life. So every seed has, has what it needs. What a seed needs at the beginning of its journey to become a seedling is not the same thing that it needs to become a fully multiplying plant. Listen to me. You cannot expect, if you are, if you are in a place of a seedling, Look at me. When you are in a place of a seedling, 
You cannot expect that you're going to function like a mature plant. You have to take care of a seedling different than you take care of a mature plant. The things that a seedling needs is different than what a full plant needs. So when you receive the word, it begins to germinate in your life. You've got to know what stage of growth you are in and live accordingly. Now at the same point, the same on that same vein of thought, you can't keep a mature plant under the uh, under the greenhouse lights, right? If you put a you put a seedling at at the um, at the incubation period, you put that seedling there, and that's where it needs to be. Is this place of incubation getting warmth and water, air to grow? But a full-grown plant can't stay in the place of incubation. So if you are maturing in the things of God, you can't stay back at a place of immaturity. You've got to continue to grow and place a demand on the anointing. You've got to continue to stay in the Word of God. You have to begin to minister. There has to be an outflow. In your... Have you ever been in a place where you say, man, I feel stagnant. I feel stuck. This, I'm just not moving forward. Well, because you are trying to operate back in the greenhouse when you ought to be a full mature plant. That's what, that's what Paul taught us. He said, you're still drinking on the milk when you ought to be eating the meat. Woo! Yeah. yeah. So if you want to produce, you got to know where you're at. you got to know what stage of growth you're in, where you need to be. Don't expect the old wineskins to work for you. So how do we produce a harvest? Number one, you've got to hear the word. The sower is continually sowing seed. Jesus, the Son of Man, is continually speaking. He's singing over your life. He's speaking over your life. He puts people into your life. How do we we hear the word? If you want to receive the word, if you're looking for a word to receive, how do you receive it? You've got to hear it. You got to get in it. You got to read it. You got to listen to the sermons that your pastor is preaching. Not just show up in church. You got to listen to them. You got to be in small groups and discussing them and breaking them down at worship. You know, God can speak to you as you worship. As you're, as you're worshiping, He can drop a word, one moment, a word into your heart. At the altar, when you're receiving prayer, God's going to speak. He speaks to us through others. He puts people in our lives to say, hey, you know, the word of the Lord says this, or I, I just want to encourage you with this word today. He's constantly sowing seed if we'll hear it. I think about the woman with the issue of blood that here she is. She's been going to the doctors. She's heard all of the, all of the reports about the doctors. She's gone to every one of them that have tried to fix her and help her. And she's only gotten worse. She spent everything that she had. And the Bible says in Mark that she heard the reports of Jesus. She heard the word. She heard the word and she went. She heard the word and she went. That's number two that Jesus teaches us here is not only do we have to hear it, but we have to accept it. That's a powerful word, accept. We can hear things and never accept them. But he says, not only do you hear it, not only is the seed sown, but you have to receive it. The seed has to be able to germinate in your life to produce fruit. If the seed's not being received, if it's not going into the soil, if it's not germinating, it's not going to produce fruit. 
And so you have to hear it and receive it. The woman had to act in obedience according to what she heard. She heard that Jesus could heal her, and she had to receive that and act on it. She had to go press in through the crowds. She had to go where she wasn't allowed to be. She had to press in in an embarrassing moment and say, I've got issues. And she had to press through and get a hold of Jesus and act on what she had heard. But when she took what she heard and by faith acted on what she heard and she pressed through the crowds and grabbed hold of that word. Her miracle happened. That it's the same for you and I today. If we can just hold on to that word, our miracle will happen. You've got to hold on to that word, receive the word, hold on to that word and act on it. James chapter 1 tells us, put away all filthiness and rampant wickedness and receive with humility, receive with meekness, the what? The seed, the implanted word, the incorruptible seed, which is able to save your souls. Be doers of the word and not hearers only, deceiving yourselves. You can hear it. You can look in the mirror, James tells us. You can see yourself, your ugliness in the mirror. You can wake up in the morning and see your ugly self staring back at you. Come on now. But if you don't do anything to groom that ugly mug, you're going to walk out the door the same ugly self you saw. You can look in the mirror of the Word. You can, re- you can hear it. You can hear the Word And it's echoing through the chambers of your mind. This is what the Lord says. And walk out from in front of the mirror. Do nothing with it. Walk out from in front of the mirror. The same ugly self you were when you looked in it. But when you stand there and you gaze in the mirror and you hear the word. And God says to you, see that blemish? I can heal that. I can cleanse your conscience clean. I can make you whole. I can restore that. We can get you cleaned up. You don't have to continue on in this cycle. When God, you hear it and you say, okay, God, I know it's going to be uncomfortable. I know it's not going to be fun. I know that I know there's a seed being sown here that's going to produce fruit and patience is going to have to be applied. When you go and sit down at the barber shop or the salon or wherever you go, you don't get beautiful hair and, and just as you sit down, you don't sit down in the chair and bippity-boppity-boop your Cinderella, right? It's not how it happens. I know we all wish that it was that easy, but they've got to do some work. And depending on how much, how, well, never mind. <laughs> you might be there a while. <laughs> Yeah, yeah. This is what Andrew Murray says. I love this. Humility is the displacement of self by the enthronement of God. It's looking in that mirror and say, self, uh, you can't keep ruling in my life. Self, you can't keep on this. You're not going to keep controlling this. I'm not going to just hear it and deceive myself. You know, that's, that's scary. You, you can walk in deception by hearing and not doing. You can hear God is good and not drink of his goodness 
and be in deception. I see it every Sunday. This is part of pastoring. You see people come in and go out, they're online, whatever, and, and week after week after week, the word, the seeds are sown. But they but but the 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 bags of dirt in the pews, right? <laughs> We're just a big old pile of dirt, ready to receive seed. Don't receive it. I didn't call you any names. Don't get mad. I'm I, this from dust you were created and dust you will return. Do not get mad. <laughs> and they you sit those those dirt bags sit in the pews every week. Whatever you want to call yourself, you know, pile of dirt, whatever. You sit, and if you don't receive, what happens? You deceit, you're walking in deception. Hearing and not doing is deception. I, 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 I want to, to those who live the word, it's easy to laugh and say, yeah, that's, I've been there, done that. That's not a good place to be, right? But to those who sit in the place of deception, it, pride is the response that's, this is, this is what it says. Let me go back to James because this is so powerful. With meekness, you receive the word. How does one reject it? Pride. How does one not receive it? It's the opposite. It's pride. So pride, in the place of pride, you stand there and say, mm, I'm good. I got it. Good word, pastor. Good word. See you next Sunday. And if you're really prideful, you say, what is he talking about? I've heard this before. I've heard the parable of the sower before. Can we just do something different? It's Valentine's Day. I need to get out to my, somebody who loves me. This is, let me, let me give you another Andrew Murray here. Let me get the focus off of me for a second. Andrew Murray says, pride must die in you or nothing of heaven will live. If you want to walk in the place of God's abundance and fruitfulness in your life, th there's going to be some humility to say, you know what, I don't have it all figured out. I don't know how God's going to make it happen. I don't, I don't know the timeline. I can't, I can't make this happen. But God, you know. You've declared the end from the beginning, just like you spoke. Let, it be, let there be light. Light was. So it is. You're speaking over my life. You're speaking over the ugliness of my life. You're speaking over the issues of my life. And so I'm just going to... Walk this journey with you. I'm going to stay planted. I'm going to stay rooted on this word. I'm going to stay planted on this word. And I'm going to see the fruitfulness of God come up. That's humility. Pride says, I'm going to figure it out and I'm going to make it happen. In Matthew chapter 7, as we're talking about accepting the word, Matthew chapter 7 says, Everyone then who hears these words of mine and does them will be like a wise man who built his house on the rock. And the rain fell, and the floods came, and the winds blew and beat on the house, but it did not fall because it had been founded on the rock. And everyone who hears these words of mine and does not do them will be like a foolish man who built his house on the sand. And the rain fell, and the floods came, and the winds blew and beat against that house, and it fell, and great was its fall. Yeah, 
if you go back and you read this passage of Scripture in Matthew chapter 7, this, this parable that Jesus told about the wise man, the foolish man, and how they built their house, it's preceded by Jesus saying, not everyone who says to me on that day, Lord, Lord, will enter the kingdom of heaven. It's preceded. It is a direct teaching to believers or people who call themselves believers. It's a teaching to you and I to say not everyone who says, Lord, Lord, on that day will enter the kingdom of heaven. Who are those, Jesus said, that would enter? Those who do the will of my Father. Those who heard the word and built their house on the word. So we have to accept the word and begin to act on the word. Thirdly, we have to bear fruit. Fruit is the result of constant fellowship with Christ. In John 15, you cannot bear fruit apart from me. Fruitfulness happens because you're in constant fellowship with Christ. He's the vine, you're the branches. If a, if a branch disconnects, Jesus said, from the vine, it withers and dies. There's, there is no gray area, by the way. If you, if, you, if you notice this parable and what Jesus is teaching constantly about the seed and producing fruit, there's no gray area. It's either you're connected and bearing fruit or you're disconnected and you're withering and dying. You're either building your house on the rock and you're stable or you're not and you're being destroyed. It's either you are allowing your roots to go down deep or you're being burned up and scorched. There's no middle ground here. I think sometimes we try to find the middle ground. How can I stay one root over here in the world and what I want? And how can I kind of test out the waters with what God is saying? And that doesn't work. Fruitfulness comes if you are constantly in fellowship with Christ. Galatians 5 talks about the fruit of the Spirit. 2 Peter Chapter 1, verses 5 through 8 says this. I love this verse, talking about fruitfulness, talking about seed. This is what it says. For this very reason, make every effort to supplement your faith with virtue, and virtue with knowledge, and knowledge with self-control, and self-control with steadfastness, and steadfastness with godliness, and godliness with brotherly affection, and brotherly affection with love. For if these qualities are yours and are increasing, they keep you from being ineffective or unfruitful. Now, when you read this, for the believer, for the person who is trying to work everything out, pride response, give me the checklist, you just heard a checklist. I got to add virtue, knowledge, self-control, steadfastness, godliness. And I don't know if you've examined your own heart lately, but these are really hard fruits to produce on your own. And so what the, the original language, if you actually study this, it says, if these things are present, you are fruitful. If these things are are demonstrated in your life, these are the fruits. In other words, Peter's teaching us, these are the fruits you ought to be looking for. Just like uh, Paul in Galatians, the fruit of the Spirit. These are the indicators of a spirit life, spirit-led life. These are the indicators of a life of faith. This is what you ought to be looking for. If you want to know what good fruit is, this is what good fruit is. We know what bad fruit is. The scripture's telling us, how do you see God in you? 
How do you find God in you? It's this. This is the fruit of a life connected in fellowship to Jesus. Amen. You can, if you want to argue it, you can go back and read the previous verses. And it says, His divine power has granted to us all things. So at the very outset of what Peter's writing, he's saying God's power is the one producing this in my life. So fruitfulness comes as we're in constant fellowship with him. If you cut off your fellowship, it's like cutting off your nose and expecting to breathe. How do you expect fruitfulness and not in fellowship? Fruit comes by being in fellowship. And then lastly, we're to multiply. Healthy plants multiply. Some of them multiply 30, some 60, some 100 times. But you and I were born created to multiply. Jesus told us to go and make disciples of all nations. Hebrews tells us, let us consider how to stir up one another to good works. We're to multiply. I think about Cornelius. You know, Cornelius was an Italian. Any any Italians here? What? I, I said, now, hold on a second, hold on a second. I said, are there any Italians here? Now, this, there's something wrong with this. <laughs> I've, I've never been in a room and said, where are the Italians, and then be quiet. <laughs> Cornelius was an Italian. He was, he was a centurion Italian. And he loved people. So much so, he filled his house with people. Sounds like a true Italian, right? Everybody's got to come over. He had a way to get people in his house. And Peter comes and he preaches, and what? They get baptized in the Holy Ghost. Cornelius, one man. Multiplication. Why? Because he was in fellowship. He, the Bible says he feared God. He was in fellowship with God, and he multiplied. Peter, on the day of Pentecost, here's a man who had just denied he even knew Jesus, and just a few days later, standing up 3,000, multiplied. Listen, you can have your issues, and God can still use you. He will walk you through your problems. <laughs> he will bring you to fruitfulness every time. That's the story of the gospel. You just got to hold on to that word, baby. When, when Jesus says, I, I, wait, don't leave Jerusalem. Stay and receive. There's something. I don't know what it is. This sounds a little crazy. They killed him. He resurrected. What's going on? I'm, holding, I'm staying. 500 of us. 120 later, I'm staying. Why? The word of the Lord. And it multiplied. Multiplication happened. The little boy with his five loaves and two fish multiplied. Why? He was in fellowship with Jesus. When you come in fellowship with Jesus, things start producing fruit. Multiplication happens. Anybody know Peter? We talked about Peter. Anybody remember Peter? His influence in the early church and his ministry and all. Peter's example, Peter's life began because of his brother named Andrew. Sometimes we think, some, let, me, let me just pause. Sometimes we think that fruitfulness and multiplication means I got to be the Peter preaching on the day of Pentecost and 3,000 are getting born again. What if you're the Andrew who brought your brother to Jesus, who became the greatest, one of the greatest influences 
in the early church? What if? So our multiplication isn't just about the numbers. It's about being fruitful and multiplying. It's taking what you've received, that one word. Remember that word that was just a seed? Remember that word that was just a tiny seed so many years ago in your life and now has produced so much fruit in your life? Multiplication happens now where you're at. But for somebody, it's just a seed. For you, it's a matured plant that, that the birds of the air come and congregate in. For you, it's, it's a mature tree that has a bunch of oranges in it or apples, whatever kind of tree you want. But it's full of fruit that's come by patiently awaiting fruitfulness. For you, you see its beauty. You see its majesty. You see... You see the years that it started so long ago as a seedling and you worked through and labored through and labored through and endured through and had the, uh, had the affliction, had the persecution, had the issues, but you stayed planted on the word. You stayed rooted on the word. And you're now looking at a full-grown, mature tree. And you're saying, I love its beauty. And you're saying like the song of Solomon, Lord, come into my garden. Let the wind of the Holy Ghost blow across my garden. Yeah, that's where you're at today. But for somebody, it's a seed. For somebody, there's, they need to take a bite of your fruit. They need to get a seed. That's multiplication. As you go through this journey and say, Lord, when you prayed that prayer, created me a clean heart. You had no idea where it would end up 10, 15, 20, 30 years later. But now you're looking at one of the many mature trees in your life. Somebody needs some fruit. Somebody needs a seed. It's time to multiply that thing. Thank you, Jesus. Why don't you stand with me this morning? Worship you. Has this been helpful for you today? Just taking a new look at the parable of the sower. Thank you, Lord, the power of the seed. Lord, I thank you that you are producing fruit in our lives. Lord, that this, this church, these people, this house, that you are building fruitfulness. You're building mature plants that are producing much fruit and that are multiplying themselves. Thank you, Jesus. Lord, help us to see every area, every place in our life where there might need to be branches that are, need to be taken out to the fire. Lord, help us to see in our areas where there might need to be some pruning done. Help us to see in our lives, Lord, where, where we can become more fruitful. Help us, Lord, to see every area of our life as you see it. Lord, if there's pride that's keeping us from, from receiving the word that you're speaking, I pray, Lord, that you would deal with that pride. If there's pride that's keeping us from receiving with an open heart your word and acting on it. Lord, deal with that pride. May we humble ourselves that you might raise us up. May we humble ourselves and be okay with receiving a seed so that you might produce a tree of mature fruit. Thank you, Lord Jesus. Thank you, Lord Jesus. Thank you, Lord Jesus. Thank you, Lord Jesus.